Hey everybody, it's Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Weirdo Magnet. It's been quite a while and um, I don't know, let's blame it on quarantine. Let's blame it on anything, but I'm going to try to get better. Um, Today's episode is actually a short story that I wrote a couple years ago and um, the main protagonist in the story is a man. So I asked a friend, Colin, to read it so that it would be um, in a man's voice rather than mine. So, um, I hope you enjoy it. I think it's a little rough in a few little spots, like a few little, like, repeated things. Um, but rather than spend hours trying to edit out his stuff, I figured I would just, uh, put it out in the world. It's pretty intact. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you're staying sane through this craziness. And, um, I will talk to you later. bitter end. Vincent Lucent walked with purpose. Not that he always had some place to go, but that wasn't really the point. He reached down to pull down his pant leg that got stuck in his boot. Not the cowboy variety, more like the motorcycle gang type. But Vincent didn't fancy himself a cowboy or an outlaw. The problem, in fact, was that Vincent didn't know what he was supposed to be or what his purpose in life was. He hadn't quite figured it out. Not that he had to. He was only 26. Who really gave a fuck? He wondered as he swaggered into the front door of the Bitter End Bar and Grill. The bar was dark, dimly lit by the half-staff taper candles that were mere stubs. The wax melted in streams over the empty domestic bottles that served as vases. He sat down at the bar and ordered a Budweiser in a bottle, and took a long drag off the bottleneck. He immediately felt calmer as the foamy, slightly bitter beer slid down his throat. It's not like he was some vocational school loser. No, Vincent was an ex-Ivy leaguer, but when you fall, you might as well go far. He tipped his bottle in mock salute to the girl wearing a fancy raincoat across from him. She was staring at him, as if he were a prime example of white trash. Rather than explain himself, he just let her think she was better than him. It's not like looking at him, she'd be able to tell he was once a finalist in Junior Jeopardy in Rhode Island. Let people underestimate his abilities. It was much more fun that way. Besides, who did she think she was, looking smug in her Burberry trench coat? Vincent finished his beer and ordered another one as the contents of the first bottle pooled warmly in his belly. He was much too smart to become a drinking cliché, but a few drinks never hurt anyone. It's not like he had any place to be anytime soon. The jukebox kicked on and some drunken person thought that Elton John's Rocket Man was a good choice. It wasn't awful but definitely not something that Vincent would own on CD. He was just losing himself in his own haze of alcohol-induced relaxation when he noticed Burberry Trench standing next to his bar stool. Great. What did she think she was doing? Slumming for... Great. What did she think she was doing? Slumming for the night with an auto mechanic? Vincent's green eyes looked down his bottle until he heard her clear her throat nervously. Sighing inwardly, He looked into the biggest brown eyes that were pooling innocence like chocolate syrup. Something kicked deep in his gut, and Vincent swore under his breath. 
Sure, he was making a mistake when he looked right at her and said, Did you need something? She doesn't have an eating disorder, and she's tall, were the first thoughts that popped into Vincent's head. But he still didn't know why this doe-eyed girl with the designer labels had picked him to chat with of all the bar patrons. Why didn't she talk to that Wall Street guy huddled in the corner, or the pale woman in the red sweater at the other end of the bar? It made him mad. What the hell was she thinking, approaching a guy she didn't know in a bar? He squinted at her, noting her bouncy brown curls, form-fitting sweater, dress corduroys, but Vincent stopped short when he got to her shoes. He couldn't believe it. She was wearing penny loafers, and the pennies were sparkling, so either she had just put them there, or she had had her shoes shined. She didn't show, she didn't throw him any come-hither stare, or bat her eyelashes, so it would seem sex wasn't on the menu. Vincent wondered again, what the hell did she want? He waited for a response to the question that seemed like it was asked in another lifetime, but in actuality, it'd been about 15 seconds. Um, she stammered, I was just, uh, wondering if you had a cigarette? You look like a smoker, and well... I just quit, but I can't seem to stop thinking about having another one. And, but if you don't, I understand, and I'll stop bothering. I, uh, gotta go. Burberry Trench started backing away before Vincent could even comprehend what the hell she was talking about. He suddenly realized she was leaving his line of vision, and even though he didn't want company today, he wasn't quite ready to let her go. Wait a minute, would you? Jesus. You talk so fast, and I could barely make out a word you said. His tone came out harsher than he would have liked and he softened his next words as best he could. I don't smoke. Well, not anymore. Don't you know those things will kill you? Vincent asked. Burberry just looked at him, sighed, and said, Okay, then. Hey, that doesn't mean we can't sit down and have a drink together. He pushed at the stool next to his own with the heel of his boot. It was the closest he'd come to using his lifelong ingrained manners in months. Burberry Trench hesitated a moment, then gingerly perched herself on the edge of her stool and looked shyly at Vincent. Shit, now what, Vincent thought. The guy with the dark hair and green eyes that had swaggered into the bar looking like a modern-day James Dean in worn, molded Levi's and a black t-shirt. It wasn't just the way he'd walked. It was the way he'd kept his head down and hadn't even opened his mouth wide enough so that she could tell if he had teeth. It was as if he'd read her mind just then, because James Dean flashed a smile so fast she'd almost missed it. But she hadn't and she felt something go soft inside. His teeth were straight and white and mesmerizing. What do you have? Vincent looked at Burberry Trench expectantly. Oh, um, she seemed flustered as she twisted on her stool. What are you having? Vincent nodded at his beer. For some reason, this caused Burberry Trench to flush deeply, and she said, Oh, I don't, uh, like beer, but I guess if that's what you're having, I'll, uh, have... Vincent thought he'd better stop her before she passed out from lack of oxygen. It's cool, if you don't want a beer. But a glass of wine. Burberry's shoulders relaxed considerably as she nodded in agreement. Oh, yes, I'll have a Merlot. Vincent could tell this was the most relaxed she'd been, and he was glad she'd finally calmed down. She was making him uneasy. He smiled to himself that he'd made her comfortable. As the bartender set down the wine goblet, Merlot slashed the rim, and Burberry didn't immediately reach for the glass. Sitting so close to the stranger, she didn't even know what to make of him. Upon closer inspection, she could tell that he had well-defined cheekbones and a strong jawline. She could kick herself for noticing. 
She clearly read one too many romance novels, where the characters meet in an unusual way. Usually, though, the guy had long, flowing hair and large hands. She caught herself looking at Vincent's, and an embarrassed laugh escaped from her mouth. Vincent was startled at the abrupt start and end to the laughter, wondering what prompted it, as if, as he hadn't said anything. Vincent was startled at the abrupt start and end to the laughter, wondering what prompted it, as he hadn't said anything. He looked curiously at Burberry Trench, realizing that he still didn't have a name to put with a face. I'm Vincent. Hello, she said quietly. Vincent held out his hand, and she took it with her small, delicate one. Her fingers were engulfed by Vincent's tan hand. She quickly took a few long sips from her glass wine. Vincent really despised small talk, so he dismissed any of the polite conversational topics usually discussed at wine and cheese parties and said instead, Are you lost? Why are you here at 2.30 on a Wednesday afternoon? He expected Burberry to answer his questions with perfunctory politeness, so he was shocked when she said, Well, what the hell business is it of yours? Just because I sit down next to you doesn't mean I have to tell you everything. She huffed out her breath defensively. Hey, it's all right with me. If you don't want to talk, that's fine. It's just that usually when people are drinking in the middle of the day, there's a reason, or they act as though it's their job. And it doesn't look to me like you make a habit of this kind of thing. So... Vincent put his hands up and shrugged. Burberry nodded. I'm sorry. Things have been kind of weird for me lately. How can other people know what I'm supposed to be doing when I don't even know yet? Burberry mused aloud. Fuck if I know. I'm sitting in the same dark bar that you are on a Wednesday afternoon. What? Just because I look like I fed in, you think I know where they keep the key to the universe? Vincent rattled on. It's behind that picture of the dogs playing poker, by the way. What is? Burberry Trench asked. The key to the universe. Isn't that why you're here? Looking for the fucking Wizard of Oz? You came to the right place, the old wizard. This is where he collects his pension checks. Didn't you know Patty behind the bar there? He grants wishes like some fucked up genie. But don't rub too hard, because the last girl that I saw do that, well, what are you looking for anyway? A heart? A brain? Or... Vincent trailed off. He looked at Burberry Trench. When she didn't respond, he began muttering to himself. I'm looking for a heart and a fucking brain, because if I had one... I sure as shit wouldn't be sitting in a sh... I'm looking for a heart and a fucking brain. Because if I had one, I sure as shit wouldn't be sitting in a shithole bar when I'm supposed to be at work. Guess I had enough sense to call in sick, so that I'd come for something. Where do you work? Burberry asked. Walmart. Burberry stared at Vincent for a minute, before she responded. Where do you really work? How do you know I don't work at Walmart? It's my life's ambition is to stock Huggies and Jiffy Pop. Burberry looked back with eyes full of pity. Why are you looking at me like that? Vincent asked. Like what? Burberry asked. Never mind. Vincent expelled air he didn't realize he was holding. The silence stretched between them like warm taffy. I work as a consultant. He emphasized the wrong syllable on consultant, so that it sounded like consultant. Burberry looked at him with piqued interest. What are you a consultant for? A car company? Or a dot-com? She prompted. Nope. I'm a wedding co consultant. You're kidding again, right? Pulling my leg like the Walmart thing? Hey, just because I look like I could be a car mechanic, live in a double-wide, collect government assistance checks, drink beer out of 40-ounce bottles, and shop at the Salvation Army out of necessity, not sport, 
That doesn't mean I do. Are there any more stereotypes you'd like to label me with as you sit there in your Burberry trench coat, plaid raincoat, and Prada loafers? I happen to know that coat came with a matching rain hat. Where's yours? Vincent thrust his hands through his hair, causing it to stick up at odd angles like a kitty straw, and took a long pole off the bottleneck of his Budweiser, nearly draining the contents in the process. He couldn't bring himself to look at Burberry, so he signaled Patty, who promptly laid a third icy bud on the paper coaster with a graffiti drawing of a clown with a huge schlong hanging out of his clown pants, and above it somebody had written, No wonder clowns always look so happy, in a cartoon bubble protruding from the big clown protruding from his big clown lips. Am I supposed to feel bad that I can afford Prada loafers? Would you respect me if I looked like I just crawled out of bed and threw on the first t-shirt that I could find? She pointed. Am I supposed to feel bad that I can afford Prada loafers? Would you respect me if I looked like I just crawled out of bed and threw on the first t-shirt that I could find? She looked pointedly at Vincent's wrinkled black tee. Hold on there, princess. Don't think I gave a shit what you think about my clothes. And not that it's any of your business. It's been shitty for a few months. Burberry crossed one leg over the other, causing her corduroy pants to make a scratchy sound and said, I can see that you need to be alone. I'm going to go back to my seat across the bar. As she stood, she pulled a few bills out of her coach purse and began lowering them on the bar in front of her now empty bar stool. Vincent reached out and grabbed her arm before the bills actually touched down like a plane on the runway. Don't worry about it. Hey, Patty, put that Merlot and anything else the lady wants on my tab, would you? Vincent's voice had lost some of his Vincent's voice had lost some of the harsh edge, the alcohol softening his voice and his line of vision. Patty nodded in Vincent's direction in response. Thank you for the drink. Burberry turned away, her coat's belt trailing down behind her as she sashayed to an empty stool on the other side of the bar. Vincent watched her go, with a sense of relief. He'd invited her to sit down, but he hadn't really wanted company. Coming to the bitter end in the middle of a workday usually afforded Vincent some much-needed alone time. He felt like a cliché in the worst way, drowning his sorrows in alcohol. Christ, he had hoped by now he'd evolved past the cliché and become, what was that? A real live boy. Vincent quoted Pinocchio out loud and coughed to cover it up. Vincent was a fucking girl now. He looked down where his breast would be to discover his pectoral muscles were there not his C-cupped breast he'd expected to find instead. Vincent was certain that catching Maddie bent over the coffee table with Jack, his best man, and until three months ago, oldest friend, was the deepest hurt he'd ever been dealt. Including the time that Jack and him had gotten jumped when they'd ventured off campus to go to an underground raid party and to see the seedier side of town. Or, as his dad liked to say, go see the kinds of people who think that Miller High Life was actually the champagne of beers. And and that rode the bus to menial labor jobs for worse pay. Jack had come to his rescue that night. Maddie had cried out when Vincent walked in on the two of them. Not sure it was in surprise or orgasmic delight, Vincent stared in awe. The light in the den was blaring, bouncing light off Maddie's engagement ring that Vincent had bought from Tiffany's. A very good clarity, the well-dressed saleswoman had said, reassuring Vincent that any girl would be thrilled with a 2.5 carat princess cut ring, and she'd even joked as she rang up the commission sale, diamonds are a girl's best friend. The irony wasn't lost on Vincent, that the diamond was fucking his best friend. Or rather, Jack was doing the fucking, Maddie was the receiver, 
and by God, Vincent thought she was a trooper. He'd always admired Maddie for her strong perseverance and her ability to handle herself. The two of them had met senior year at Brown. Maddie was studying to become a linguistics professor, while Vincent dreamed of traveling abroad to study law to aid the governments in third world countries. They'd made plans to travel, get married, and focus on their careers for a bit, and then think about the possibility of having kids. In any of those conversations, did Vincent ever recall their life plans including, I'm going to screw your best friend behind your back a few days, months, a few months prior to our big day. And the real bitch of it was, was that Vincent still loved Maddie. It'd be a lot easier to hate her, to reduce her to a lying slut and shut the door. But his heart had other plans. It was a stubborn organ. It insisted on beating every morning. And worse, it still loved. The way she'd make him laugh when he got too serious, always trying to find the deeper meaning in even the place settings at fancy restaurants. Maddie had been good at pointing out that sometimes, blue is just a color that complements the soft taupe tablecloth and actually had nothing to do with the capitalism of America, or the plight of the Pakistani busboy that also brought crusty bread from the kitchen. And her laugh, a full, throaty laugh, that was totally unappreciated at those hushed, whispered social functions that they had been forced to attend growing up. Vincent had come to Brown from Boston, and Maddie to the Ivy League school from upstate New York. He'd missed twirling her blonde locks around his fingers, and the way her lips always tasted of Maddie and the hint of Dr. Pepper's lip gloss. The texture slightly gritty when Vincent kissed her lips with his own. Maddie insisted the cheap gloss in the fun flavor was better than any shine she could get at the Lacombe counter. Vincent picked up his beer, nearly empty, and pointed it at Patty, who didn't say a word, just set a replacement on the bar next to the one Vincent was still holding. He'd wondered for the millionth time, what if? What if he hadn't walked in on Jack and Maddie? What if Maddie's crying and begging forgiveness would have worked? What if Vincent had reached out and comforted her? As angry as he was, he'd barely been able to stand the pain in her eyes. What if Jack would have slept with anybody besides Maddie? The asshole looked like Matt Damon. He could have had any woman. So why her? When Vincent had asked Jack that very question, Jack hadn't had a good enough answer. I like Maddie, Vince. She's smart. She's sexy, and she's got a great ass. I couldn't help it. It was then that Vincent had done something he'd never thought possible. He'd reached back with his arm and threw a punch right into Jack's nose, causing it to explode in Play-Doh like putty and blood. Jesus Christ, Jack, you fucking ruined my life and you don't even love her? I could almost forgive you if you had told me you'd fallen in love with Maddie, because, you know, I'd be fucking hurt, but in the end... I probably would have forgiven you because at least I know Maddie was being taken care of, but instead you just fuck her on my Ethan Allen coffee table. I guess I should be fucking grateful you didn't fuck her in my bed, or I would have had, a, had to have a tainted furniture sale on my front lawn. I guess I should be fucking grateful you didn't fuck in my bed, or I would have had to have a tainted furniture sale on my front lawn. What about our friendship, you asshole? If you didn't care about her, you should have at least thought about me. Unlike you, I was in love with Maddie. The diamond on her hand, the fact that I'd asked her to... Unlike you, I was in love with Maddie. The diamond on her hand, and the fact that I'd asked you to be my best man should have tipped you off. Vincent had stood there, his hands clenched at his side, no longer wanting to punch, instead feeling numb to his childhood friend, who'd once taught him the fine art of rolling a joint, and whom he'd used to ride bikes with till they'd discover girls. 
Come on, Vincent. I'm sorry, man. I never meant for this to happen. Vincent actually laughed then. That's always the defense. I didn't mean it. I see. You accidentally had sex with my fiance. What did you think you were doing then? Vincent didn't wait for Jack's reply, knowing anything he could say would be irrelevant anyways. Just get out of here, Jack. I don't give a fuck what you do anymore. We're done. Come on, Eddie. Let's sit over there. I see a hot chick in a trench coat. Vincent was startled out of his daydream by a sweaty-looking fathead and his weaselly friend who were across... <laughs> Vincent was startled out of his daydream by a sweaty... By a sweaty-looking fathead and his weaselly friend, who were crossing the bar to get to Burberry Trench. Vincent's brain began to clear from its reminiscent fog, and his green eyes narrowed in on... Vincent's brain began to clear from its reminiscent fog, and his green eyes narrowed in on Burberry. Even though Vincent had pushed her away, he'd done it for her own good. As he'd expected, Fathead and Weasel sat next to Burberry, who was still sipping on her Merlot. Vincent couldn't hear what was being said, but Burberry's eyes met Vincent's from across the bar. She looked scared, and Vincent, for the first time in months, actually felt something besides anger. Vincent felt a surge of protectiveness rush through his chest as he clutched his beer neck a little tighter and watched. Vincent tried to imagine how Maddie was drowning her sorrows, realizing sadly she might not have any. She'd cried like her heart was breaking, but Vincent can no longer believe anything she did was the truth. She'd crush his trust in her, in her to vapors. She'd crushed his trust in her to vapors. Maybe she didn't feel numb, the way Vincent had certain that he'd never feel anything ever again. He discovered a few months ago, if he dressed like shit, people just assumed he was stupid, and no one bothered to engage him in conversation. Vincent wondered if he'd ever discounted people so quickly based on the way they looked, and sadly realized he didn't know which was almost worse somehow. Patty, another beer man. As Patty came closer, he pulled the twist top off the Budweiser and handed it to Vincent. He turned then to wait on Fathead and Weasel. What'll it be, boys? Fathead asked in an impatient tone. What'll it be, boys? Patty asked in an impatient tone. Fathead spoke, clearly the leader. We'll have two scotch and sodies and whatever this pretty lady wants. Fathead smiled to himself proud of his smooth yet subtle come-on to Burberry. Patty, knowing the scene was all too common, looked almost sympathetically at Burberry and asked, Would you like anything? No, thanks. I have already had a drink. Fathead missed the soft-spoken response of Burberry and had assumed she'd ordered a drink and was pissed to discover that no drink was being placed in front of her great tits. Fathead, not knowledgeable in social subtleties, stated the obvious. You didn't order a drink. Burberry, who was equally schooled in proper etiquette, politely stated, That's because I've already got a glass of wine. Thank you, though. Fathead squinted, and his voice got a little louder. Eddie, she didn't want a free drink. Fathead poked Eddie in the shoulder. Vincent looked over and saw that Fathead was talking to his friend, but he couldn't hear over Yellow Brick Road. He noticed Fathead talking with his hands. It was then that Vincent decided he'd... It was then that Vincent decided he'd stared at the dogs playing poker long enough and unhooked his leg from the bar stool and slowly stood up. He picked up his beer and ambled over to the other side of the bar, a few stools down from Burberry, Fathead, and Weasel. Burberry Trench gave a sidelong glance to Vincent as he sat down. 
Burberry Trench felt a rush of relief, already knowing that Vincent was troubled, but not a creep. The same couldn't yet be said of Fathead and Weasel. Nobody said anything, as the jukebox kicked out Ring of Fire, its opening chords much more jubilant than any of the bar patrons. Vincent liked Johnny a lot more than Elton, but neither was a staple growing up. Why didn't you want my drink? Fathead asked Burberry. I told you, because I already ordered one. Fathead was too stupid to get that Burberry's rejection drink offer was a rejection of him, so he tried again. That's okay, babe. On the next round, we'll have ourselves a martini. You like them fancy ones with the expensive gin, don't you? No, I don't actually. What, you're too good for my free drink? Fathead started to get mad, finally realizing that perhaps the hot girl in the trench coat was in fact not going to go anywhere with him. He stared at her for a few seconds and then looked over and seemed to notice Vincent for the first time. He noticed the thick, dark hair and the green eyes, and Fathead could see how a girl like the hottie sitting next to him would think he's cute. He could see well-defined biceps, the sleeves of his t-shirt snug. Fathead shifted slightly to adjust his large belly better on the seat. Fathead caught Vincent looking in his direction. What are you looking at? Fathead sneered. And Eddie, the weaselly one, just laughed like a girl. He was gearing up for the excitement. Not a thing, man, Vincent said with feigned nonchalance, his voice low and mellow from the alcohol. Fathead was spoiling for a fight, sick of these pretty boys always stealing his thunder. Looks to me like you were checking out my lady friend. Fathead, Burberry shuddered and... Fathead. Burberry shuddered inside at the thought of being tied to the. F Burberry shuddered inside at the thought of being tied to the fatty sweat, fatty sweaty man, sitting next to her. Burberry shuddered inside at the thought of being tied to the fatty sweaty man seated next to her. Nope, I'm just having a beer. Vincent flashed a quick smile for Fathead. Fathead, now relishing under the false assumption that frat boy was a pussy, got cocky. Just a bit of advice, son. When two men are sitting with a lady, you don't mosey over and try and interrupt what we've got going on. You understand? Vincent looked from Burberry Trench to Fathead and back to the still-giggling weasel. Burberry looked miserable, and Fathead was looking smug. Looks to me like your lady friend, as you call her, doesn't really want you sitting near her or trying to buy her drinks. In fact, from where I'm sitting, it looks like she's trying her best to pretend you don't exist. Vincent took a long drag off his beer while he waited for Fathead's response. Burberry looked uncomfortable, but she no longer looked scared. Vincent was happy to see. He even gave her an encouraging smile as he'd set his beer down. Fathead caught the smile and said, Oh, I get it. You want to cram your hand down her designer pants, don't you, frat boy? Fathead called everybody who was male and under 30, frat boy. I'd apologize for speaking that way in front of a lady. And then I'd shut the hell up, Vincent said, an angry edge creeping into his voice. Vincent's hands tightened on around his beer as he waited for Fathead's apology to Burberry. Fuck you. That wasn't the apology Vincent had hoped for. But nevertheless, Fathead's response was not that unexpected. Vincent looked at Fathead and his yellowed teeth and slowly got off his bar stool. Fathead's eyes got slightly bigger as Vincent stood up. At 6'2 and muscle... At 6'2 and muscular, he no longer seemed to be as wimpy as Fathead thought. But Fathead's big mouth always landed him in trouble, so he stood up. 
his own eyes level with Vincent's. Fathead's upper arms looked like hammocks bloated with beer rather than exercise. As the two men stood and stared at one another, the jukebox whirred, and a Merle Haggard's voice started telling the story of an Okie from Muskogee. Fathead stepped closer to Vincent, who pushed his chest out slightly jarring Fathead's definite man breast, causing a slight jiggle. What are you going to do, frat boy? Fathead taunted Vincent. That depends on you, man. If you'll just leave the lady alone, then we won't have any problems. But if you insist on sitting there and bothering her, we've got to talk. Oh, I get it. You're really... Oh, I get it. You really are a chicken shit. But you want the lady here to think you've got big dick, so you decide to act all gallant on her behalf. But it was all for show, eh? Fathead muttered on. You pretty boys are all talk. Gee, thanks for the compliment, but you're not my type. And as for whether or not I've got what it takes to kick your ass and make you even uglier, go ahead, test me. I've been waiting to hurt somebody for a long time, and today might be your lucky day. Oh yeah? And you think you can do it, huh? I don't fucking think so. Fathead cocked his fist back and connected with the side of Vincent's jaw with a loud crack. Vincent, caught off guard, stumbled backwards, knocking over his bar stool. At the, po At the commotion, Patty came over to see what the problem was. What's going on here? Nothing for you to worry about there, pal, Fathead growled. Patty ignored him, addressing Vincent. Hey, buddy, you okay? Patty didn't know Vincent's name, but he'd seen him enough to have a relationship of sorts. Vincent had recovered from his stumble and was getting ready to charge at Fathead, his fists cocked and itching to punch. I'm fine there, Patty. I was planning on kicking this guy's ass, though, so could you get out of the way? Vincent's feet were planted, and he was ready. Sorry, man. No can do. I don't want trouble in here today. So why don't you two fellas, Patty jerked his head in the direction of Fathead and Weasel, get out of here. Why the hell should we go? We weren't doing nothing. We was being gentlemen. We was being gentlemen and trying to buy this lady a drink. And this dipshit comes over here and picks a fight. I guess he left his balls in his other purse, eh? Fathead sneered at Vincent and looked over his shoulder at Eddie, who cackled. Come on, fat man. See if you get another shot, Vincent taunted. That's enough. Everybody quiet, Patty Bart. You two, get out of here. Drinks are on me if you just go now. It's bullshit, Fathead swore. But I got shit to do anyways. Let's go, Eddie. Fathead and Weasel turned around, without even a backward glance in Vincent's direction, and left the bar. Patty righted Vincent's stool and turned to Vincent and Burberry Trench. Are you guys all right? Patty asked. We're fine, Patty. Could we get another round? Vincent asked. If Burberry Trench minded that Vincent ordered another drink for her without asking, she gave no indication and was quiet as Vincent sat down next to her. I should be buying you a drink for all you did, Burberry said. Vincent smiled, feeling better than he'd had. Vincent smiled, feeling better than he'd had in months. He actually felt alive again and relished the taste of blood on the side of his lip. I don't mind. A woman should be able to have a drink in peace, and since that got shot to shit, I figured at least I could do is pay for it. He gave her a sheepish grin and shrugged his shoulders, not saying he felt damn good being useful to somebody again. Not saying he felt damn good being useful to somebody again. Patty set the drinks in front of Burberry and Vincent with a clinking sound. I never did catch your name. What is it? Vincent asked. Julianne. It's nice to meet you, Julianne, 